Hi, I'm Deirdre Veldon and this is Confronting Coronavirus, a daily podcast on the COVID-19 outbreak. We literally had a 24-hour notice that we needed to pack up our lives and contact our employers and contact our landlords and sell our cars and get on a flight and get home. That's Dr Zoe Lynch, a young Irish medic who has spent the last two years living and working in Australia. Last week, she returned home to Ireland and will now join Irish healthcare workers in the fight against coronavirus. More than 80 Irish doctors are on the last stage of their journey home from Perth in Australia. The group faced significant challenges finding flights amid a global aviation shutdown. So how did this plane get off the ground and what inspired these young people to return home? Dr Lynch spoke to Rosie Engel for the Irish Times Women's Podcast earlier this week. Zoe, can you give us some background to your own story in terms of where you were and what you did when you heard about uh, this coronavirus epidemic? Yeah, of course. So I was living in Perth for the last nearly two years, um, working on a paediatric team at the moment. I was at home. I was actually folding a, a bunch of clothes coming out of the dryer. Um, and in the middle of folding them, when I heard the news that Emirates were closing their flights beyond couple of days after that stopped folding my clothes they were left there in a, in a messy pile for some time thereafter and essentially Perth went into a frenzy all of the Irish doctors that I know that lived in Perth frantically texting each other calling each other contacting each other as to how we were going to get home most of us were planning on going home in the coming weeks anyway based on what was going on but I think the urgency was really heightened when we realized that we weren't going to have a way home beyond I'd say 72 hours So the first thing I did was pick up the phone and call the Department of Foreign Affairs. And I spoke to a gentleman there and he put me in contact with one of his colleagues. And I just explained our situation that we were a bunch of doctors, all Irish and really keen to get home and help with the crisis at home. And felt that if we didn't get home in the next couple of days, we'd be trapped essentially in Perth without a way back. So he was very understanding and really helpful. And he advised that I put an email together for him with all of the doctor's names, date of birth, passport numbers, and I think phone numbers, and sent it back to him as soon as possible, and that he would send that on to the embassy in Canberra. My phone was flooded with messages. I'd say I had literally about 65 names within less than 20 minutes, and then I just spent a while putting all of their data into an email that I then sent on to the Department of Foreign Affairs. And they very kindly then transferred that on to the embassy. Um, I was awake for most of the night, to be honest, because I just felt very sort of anxious and felt like we needed to to work on this to get, uh, to get back on time. So the next couple of days, I'd say the next two or three days were very uncertain. We obviously had jobs there. We had cars there. We had lives there. Our entire, our entire lives were set up there. So we we literally had a 24-hour notice that we needed to pack up our lives and, I suppose, contact our employers and contact our landlords and sell our cars and get on a flight and get home. Um, so I called my hospital. Um, I was a bit concerned about that because obviously we'd been in Australia for so long and I care massively about the country and, and the patients and my colleagues that I'd worked with for nearly two years. And we didn't want to be putting our our hospitals and the places that we've worked um, in kind of a bad situation because we were all suddenly leaving. So I called the um, head of HR there and she 
was so accommodating and so understanding and advised us to just go and that they would have the resources to pull together in Australia and try and kind of reshuffle the hospital and have all critical areas covered. And then we attempted to pack up all our stuff calmly, but there was obviously a bit of chaos amongst all of us. It was an absolute mess for, for a couple of hours. But then, as as usual, these things started to come together. Called our landlord, told him we were moving out and dropped a bottle of wine, a, b- a box of chocolates to the neighbours across the road from a distance. Um, sold our cars a couple of hours before we hopped on the plane um, and then packed up all our belongings and made it to the airport. Um, got onto the flight and then we landed in London Heathrow and I landed to a message from Sean Doyle, the CEO of Aerolingus, to say that they covered the cost of a flight for all of us from London Heathrow to Dublin, which was so generous and so kind of him. Um, and then quite quickly, I was on a flight to to Dublin. Uh, and what, what about when you got here? Oh, so overwhelming, to be honest. Um, and also so strange, like, because... A lot of us would have been planning to move home anyway. I was planning to move home in June or June time and start back to work here in July. And, and a huge, a huge amount of us were planning on that. But it certainly wasn't the way that we were planning to come home. And I suppose the absolute rush and panic to get home and, and the circumstances of everything that's going on all over the world was very palpable, you know. Being in airports at a time like this, they're a very strange place to be because it almost feels like obviously you, sh- you shouldn't be there. Um, we were obviously all moving through the airport for good reason, but it's quite chilling to land in Dublin airport and not have your family there waiting for you as you always would have all the previous times I've landed from Australia. It was a strange feeling and it was also a feeling of absolute relief and also comfort in some ways. Like when you land in Dublin airport, it just feels like home. And it was just really nice to be home. So you've been home since Thursday, is that right? Yes. And when are you expecting to be able to help with the incredible effort that's going on in our hospitals all over the country? As far as we know, we have to self-isolate for two weeks, but I'm waiting to hear back from the hospital about that tomorrow. I think the HSE have had a number of meetings to try and discuss what the plan is there I think some hospitals may be taking us back a bit sooner than the two weeks. But obviously, once all our um, Irish Medical Council registration comes through and all of our paperwork is done and they deem us safe to be back in Irish hospitals, we will all be there the second that happens. From a medical perspective, um, Zoe, what's your take on how things are going here? Obviously, the deaths are all very sad, but particularly there was the one healthcare worker who has died so far. And we do seem to have quite a high rate of, of deaths among healthcare workers. Yeah. More than other countries. What What do you think about the way things are being handled here? I think obviously it's so that's so incredibly sad and sad for, for the healthcare workers, family and, and friends and everyone who knew them. I think things are being handled really well, to be honest. And I think our government is doing an amazing job at highlighting the need for everybody to stay at home. Obviously, within the hospital, there's kind of one set of people doing one one part of the work and then everyone else at home is doing the other part. I think it's obviously incredibly important for us to follow the guidelines and follow the newest guidelines because things are changing quite rapidly with this virus um, in terms of what we're finding out about it and what we know about it. So I think for us as healthcare workers, it's our job to provide care for patients and also to protect ourselves as well as we possibly can. So I'd imagine when we come back to the hospitals that there will be some orientation or kind of introduction to, for us to understand and, and you know, have a bit more information about how to protect ourselves um, and try and keep everyone as safe as possible. Because obviously there's no point in us all coming home and then becoming unwell and not being around to help. 
vulnerable patients. I assume, Zoe, that you already have friends who've been working with COVID-19 patients uh, up to now. What, What are they telling you? Yeah, my best friend, um, Emily, she's in the emergency department. So she's been on to me for the last couple of weeks and kind of updating me on it a lot. Um, and I think, I think to be honest, from what I gather from, from her hospital anyway, things are sort of waiting to kick off in some ways. Obviously, it is busy everywhere already. But she said there's kind of a feeling like it's sort of the calm before the storm in some ways. And that there are currently, I think, tents being set up, COVID tents, um, which sounds like a good idea to me. But yeah, definitely from from my conversation with her, I 100% understood the need for us to get home because there is no way possible that everyone here would be able to do all the work that's going to be needed in the coming weeks and months. Are you um, scared? I suppose is the wrong word because as a doctor, you're used to, you know, difficult circumstances. Yeah. But do, do you have any fears at all about, you know, facing into that um line of work which I suppose is something maybe you haven't done before yeah no it's it's not I mean obviously we all come in contact with with infection um all the time as doctors and healthcare workers but yes obviously this is a bit different um yeah scared is the wrong word but there definitely is some apprehension I suppose and concern um but I feel confident at the same time that we're trained to do this and this is what we're we've been trained to do all along and I'm really sort of honoured to take care of these patients um, and get back to take care of Irish Irish patients and work in Irish hospital. Tell me about your own self-isolation. Does that mean you haven't seen your family yet? I'm back in my own family house. Um, As per the guidelines, we could return to our our own houses, but obviously had to maintain an appropriate distance from family. Um, So essentially, I'm back in my house. I haven't hugged any of my family members or been anywhere near them since I've got home, which is really hard. but I am also looking at moving out to um, accommodation away from my family. I'm lucky in that my 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 siblings, my parents are are both healthy. But I think we've we've all seen that that doesn't necessarily mean that they're safe. And myself and my brother, he's a doctor as well. I think the two of us working in hospitals in the coming weeks and months and returning home to the house is probably not a great idea. So I am looking at um, moving out for the duration of the time that we'll be working with this. Tell me about your friends who are, again, working already with people with COVID-19 and their apprehension or things that they are possibly worried about. Or are they do they feel safe as they can possibly feel? Um, my brother, as I was mentioning, my brother there, so he's an intern um, at the moment. So he graduated less than a year ago and he was on a 24-hour call there the other the other night. And I think he just was was explaining a case to me of a patient that sounded like they were quite unwell. And obviously there were other doctors there to assist and, and to help as well. But I suppose there is concern that people will be stretched and kind of have to step step up to the plate work longer hours I suppose and probably take on a bit more responsibility I suppose that's inevitable with what's what's coming and hopefully we can feel supported and adequately educated and ready ready for what's ahead okay and what about just generally your colleagues back in Australia dealing with this too what's the situation there in terms of cases how how bad is it there now I was in Perth, um, so obviously Perth, Western Australia, it's one of the, I think it's the most isolated city in the world. Um, so in some ways they're quite protected. Before I left to come back here, life was very strangely almost acting normal there. Um, so restaurants were still open, people were still out for drinks, schools were open, people were sort of 
almost going about their life as normal, which we found really difficult to deal with because we were obviously watching everything at home here and, and watching social media of our friends at home and, and not out. So it felt very strange to sort of be living in one world and then watching the way another world was was working. I think in the last couple of days, things have really shut down in Australia. I don't know if they've closed their schools yet, but they certainly closed down a lot of businesses and things like that. Um, but yeah, the number of cases is quite low there, or was quite low there when I left. I'm not sure what it's climbed to now. Um, in my hospital in Perth, there was just one confirmed case that I knew of in, in the hospital and it was related to travel. So there wasn't like community spread that we knew of there, but um, we just don't know what's going to happen there. So the other doctors you're, that you kind of corralled to get it um, to be on call for Ireland, as the HSE called their their campaign, are you all still keeping in touch? Are you all like raring to go? Is that the mood in your WhatsApp group now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we are all still in touch. Um, I think the first couple of days, everyone's just probably a bit overwhelmed. Like our whole life has just completely changed drastically, um, really, in such a short short space of time. Um, and everyone was a bit jet lagged to start with. But I think in the next day or two, or certainly tomorrow, once we hear back from hospitals and find out what the plan is everyone is so eager to get involved to get back to work to get into hospitals and to help fight this and and take it on and I think as well that was a lot of our motives to get back like watching our friends and our colleagues back here who didn't come to Australia with us who've been working in you know incredibly long hours and and very under very difficult stretch situations um, to watch them and think that if we didn't come back that their lives would be made even more difficult it just didn't feel right um, so in some ways I think a lot of us have returned with intention of taking care of patients but also being on the front line alongside our friends Yeah well we all stood outside our doors uh, the other night and clapped yeah. for all the health workers and it was a very special moment I think for everybody because yeah. it, just, it feels like there's nothing much we can do but it was just to show that support and I'm sure as a colleague of those people it must feel even more moving and and profound really absolutely yeah absolutely my mum's friends actually knocked on our door and then kind of ran down the end of the driveway um, and clapped at the end of the driveway so it's actually very very nice and really moving and I think even though this is such an uncertain time for everyone and we're all finding it difficult and it's difficult to isolate and it's difficult to be away from the people that we love I also think it's a time for us all to sort of reflect and find some goodness in all of this and from my side I certainly feel like I've witnessed firsthand so much generosity and kindness and care from people um and everyone is sort of in the same boat and everyone is there to try and help each other and be there for one another and I think that's really important that we continue that in the weeks coming because they are tough and it's not easy for anyone obviously there's so many personal and professional situations for people that that are very difficult. Um, I know you can't, uh, you don't have a crystal ball or anything just because you're a doctor, but when you look ahead to see when this might all be over, when things might return to normal, have you got a sort of date in your head or a time? I certainly don't have a crystal ball because I'm a doctor. Um, no, to be honest, I, I really don't know. Um, I'm certainly not in a position to comment on that. And, and I think... The, the professionals that have been dealing with this and the infectious disease consultants would be able to give you a much better answer. So I'm in the same boat as, as anyone else, really, in terms of time frame. And um, yeah, I'll leave, I'll leave that up to them. Brilliant. Well, Dr. Zoe Lynch, just want to say thank you very, very much for, for doing what you did and dropping everything and being the key person to corral and get all your colleagues together who were obviously so keen to come home and be part of the, the help effort here. That's that's just been so incredible. Um, and the best of luck with everything you do now in the next weeks and months. And I hope you stay safe as well. 
not at all thanks very much for that and and thanks for having me on as well and um yeah everyone's ready to go my thanks to suzanne brennan who produced today's podcast and thanks for listening stay up to date with the latest developments at irishtimes.com we'll be back tomorrow